Today's podcast is sponsored by Lara Bar, the original fruit and nut bar brand. Founder Lara American believes that a healthy mind and body begins from within. That's why she created a range of indulgent and delicious bars made from six real ingredients as close to their natural state as possible for more mindful snacking. Lara Bar gives you a tasty treat made of simple, minimally processed, vegan and gluten-free ingredients without added sugar and flavors. Simple, real, delicious. Head over to larabar.co.uk to see all the flavors on offer. Today on Your Wellbeing Podcast, we're joined by Jay Shetty via Zoom. Jay is a best-selling author, number one podcast host and purpose coach who credits everything to the lessons he learned whilst living as a monk. Whether you want to find your purpose, manage negativity, build real confidence or overcome your fears, Jay distills the timeless wisdom he learned into practical daily steps anyone can take to live a happier, more meaningful life. Drawing on ancient wisdom and his own rich experiences from ashram life, Jay's writing reveals how to access the calm and purpose that lies within all of us. A social media superstar, his vision is to make wisdom go viral, making timeless wisdom and behavioral science about life and the mind more accessible, relevant and practical for each and every single person. His videos have had over 7 billion views, he has over 32 million followers on social media and we are delighted to be hosting Jay Shetty on Your Wellbeing Podcast. Hi, I'm Mel, I'm the chairman of uh, Mind Body Spirit Festival. Today, got a dear friend of mine, Jay Shetty. Um, Jay, welcome, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, this is great. I'm so happy to see you, Mel. This is uh, this is awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, it's, as we said, it's been a, it's been a long time since since I first since we first met. Yeah, I remember our first meeting very well. It was in uh, it was in this. I can't remember the name of it, but it was in this club that was near, like not club as in nightclub, just for everyone wondering. Soho. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. go there, man. Yeah, yeah now when I start saying club. <laughs> And Soho, everyone's like, where did you know me? But it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was like a day, kind of like a Soho house kind yeah, of vibe. It is. It? It's like a club and it's a charity. So we were doing all right. That was literally right at the beginning. So yes, I remember that I just put out maybe a couple of videos and then Sandipan, our, our mutual friend, had introduced yeah. us and said, oh, you should talk to Mel. He's doing all this amazing and incredible stuff with the festival. And so then we got together, and that was so early days. I, you literally met me right at the beginning where I was just trying to find my feet in doing what I do now. And so it's, it's really fascinating that you were one of the first people I met at the time. It's magic, isn't it? And, you know, part of the notes that I was doing was like, you've gone stratospheric. It's so beautiful to see. Thank you so it much. Is, it is. You know it's beautiful to see. I, I, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, it's been a... It's, if I'm completely honest, it's... It's a huge blessing and, and I feel extremely grateful and responsible every day. It's, it's one of those experiences where you almost feel like you're observing your own life. You just, you just feel totally grateful, humbled and completely, you know, completely in awe every single day of what you get to do. So I, I don't take it for granted. I, I absolutely feel so blessed that I get to do what I love every day and I'm so happy that it has a positive impact in other people's lives. So thank you though, Mel, I really appreciate that. Yeah, so Jay, welcome to our community. Uh, welcome to our tribe, the, you know, the Mind Body Spirit Festival tribe. I mean, 16 years old, 18 years old, you were? Yeah, so I was born and raised in London, and I, I grew up in London. My mum moved to London when she was 16, and my dad moved to London when he was 28 or something like that, when they got married. Uh-huh. And so I was born and raised in London, mostly spent my childhood in areas like Wood Green and Tottenham and North London, went to school in 
uh, North London and Barnet. So that was kind of the areas that I grew up in, if anyone's familiar with those. And I grew up up until the age of 14 as, a, as the ideal son, as I like to call it. I was obedient. I followed the rules. I did well in school. And then all of a sudden at 14, I, I felt like I was searching for, at that time I called it a thrill. And yeah. now I realized I was really looking for meaning and purpose, but I didn't know those words at the time. So yeah. I always thought like I was looking for a thrill or living life on the edge or that sort of adventure. And I think all teenagers go through that. And for me, it was potentially leading me down some you know, wrong paths and dangerous paths. But I was really fortunate because at 18, I was invited to hear a monk speak. Yeah. Uh, the monk's name is Gorangadas that I write about in the book. And it was such a life-changing moment from a trajectory point of view. It's almost like I always go back to that moment and it's one of those, you know, those sliding doors moments of if you took the other path, yeah. where would life have ended up? And I think we all get those moments in life and we continue to, but it's that choice that we make that completely changes the result. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at that time, I didn't understand that. And, you know, for everyone listening, my whole intention was to learn from people who'd gone from nothing to something. So like, celebrities and entrepreneurs and CEOs and people who'd really accomplished something. So when I heard that a monk was speaking, I wasn't as wonderful as all of your community that wants to hear spiritual people and wants to hear people who are enlightened. I, that wasn't where I, I was intrigued, but I wouldn't say I was drawn to it. Okay. And then when I went to one of these events, and that's what I love about what you do with the festival, because you're giving people an opportunity to meet people they otherwise wouldn't meet. Yeah. And I think that's what it was for me that when I went to this event at my university and I walk in and I'm expecting to get nothing and I hear him talk about service and compassion and how the greatest use of our talents and skills are when they're used in the service of others. And that just like literally penetrates straight to my heart, like an arrow that just arrow of love and compassion. I'm like, wow, is that the goal of life? Have I been getting it wrong all along? And then and then I, I reflect back and now I realize that when I was 18, I'd met people who were rich. I'd met people who were beautiful and attractive. I'd met people who were strong. I'd met people who were powerful and controlling and I'd met people who were knowledgeable, but I don't think I'd met anyone who was truly happy. And, and he had that, well, like you said, like he just had that energy and I didn't even know what energy was then. And yeah. so, but you can feel it. And that's what I love about it. That everything that you talk about and you stand for, it's one of those things that you don't, you don't have to know what it is to feel it. And, and I felt it that day and I knew that that was different to every other frequency I'd felt. Yeah, no, I get that. That happened for me with, do you remember Shakrini? Yeah, of course. She's amazing. That, yeah, I mean, that, the first time I heard her sing, that was it. Yeah, wow. yeah she's incredible. I love her too. I used to listen to her album on repeat. And my mum my loved her album too. So when I, was a, when I was younger, she would play on repeat in the house. So yeah, I was a big Tikrini fan growing up. So you're in LA. Mm -hmm. And how is that for you? Do you know what? I think, I think there are places in your life that become your purpose place uh -huh. and places where you again feel so aligned with the frequency and vibration. And I know for a lot of people, especially when I moved to LA, a lot of people were saying things like, well, Jay, that's like Maya and illusion and everything's fake out there. And what I realize is everywhere's got everything, right? You can slot into the fakeness of a place or the realness of a place wherever you are in the world. And being in LA for me and my wife has been wonderful. I, I have to say, I love the weather. So, so that really does help as a Brit. And yeah. the second part of it is I, I absolutely have found some really wonderful, purposeful friends, 
people who are trying to make a difference in the world and, and just feel really at, at ease here for sure. I mean, London's always home. I'm always, I still think London's the most beautiful city in the world. I'm, I'm back often when I can be, of course, to see my parents and my wife's parents live in London. So London's always going to be home, but LA really has been amazing for me from a purpose point of view. Good. Now I can see that because it's kind of neutral in a way. But yes. you dig deeper. I mean, look at some of the people you're meeting. There's some big influences there. Yeah, I feel like there are certain places in the world that are good for certain things. And I think LA is the home of content. It's the home of messaging. It's the home of video and movies and Hollywood, of course. And so to me, I feel that the energy of creative expression that can like spread across the world, really LA has, has a real power to do that. And that doesn't mean you can't do it from anywhere else. Of course, I started in London. The first time I made videos was in London. So I'm not saying that you can't do this from anywhere else. I'm just saying that right now, where I'm at in living my purpose, I, I feel really aligned here. And I'm always looking for alignment. I never dreamed of living anywhere or I've never had dreams of, oh, I couldn't wait to live in New York City or LA, LA or wherever. I, I don't think like that. The way I think about it is just, I just want to be where my purpose is. And, and this is where it is right now. Good. Well, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you that you have your wife as well, man. <laughs> she's amazing. She's incredible. She's so grounding and she's, she's the, the opposite. We're very different people and that's the beauty of it. I'm, I'm very ambitious and driven and focused and, you know, always front facing and she's very grounded and homey and earthy. Yeah. And so she's, she's amazing. And I'm so glad I, I met her before all of this and, so grateful to have her in my life. She's, she's a real joy. If anyone doesn't know who she is, uh, check out. You just have to be on her Instagram for two seconds and, and you'll see why I love her so much. So I become friends with people first in LA and they like me and then they come over and they meet my wife and then they don't know who I am anymore. That's, that's basically, the, basically the story of my life in LA. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I know, I know you recently, you said that she's more monk than you. Yes, yeah, my book dedication is, is to her and it says to my wife, uh, who's more monk than I'll ever be. And, and I mean that from my heart. Because, I can see it as well. Yeah, she has a natural, angelic, spiritual being that she was born with and joy comes naturally to her. She's always trying to be compassionate and loving to others. She has a, she has a real, uh, you know, amazing sense and, and what's nice for me is I'm kind of like the guy who had to go off the rails to find alignment again so I, I consider myself someone who didn't grow up wanting to be spiritual or I was always a good person I, I have to hold true to that I was always a nice kind person I never wanted to hurt anyone but there's a difference between not wanting to hurt anyone and wanting to be spiritual or enlightened or or, or of service and I think it's really interesting to me to see how I've had to do work to get there and now my wife has some of it more naturally. And, yeah. and it just reminds me, we're all on our own path and we can't compare each other. And we all have a beautiful journey to live. And whether you're someone who's like, Jay, I can relate more to you, or you're someone who can say, I relate more to your wife. The point is we're all on our path. We're all on our journey. No one's ahead, no one's behind. Uh, you're exactly where you need to be. And so don't, don't feel that you need to be more, more uh, of what your partner is. You can just take your time yeah. at your own pace. And you'll get there. So, Jay, yeah, I've got the new book here. Hey. <laughs> um, read it, loved it. it what do you I'll think? Just, Give me your honest feedback. Loved it. It's perfectly accessible. Thank you, man. Thank perfectly you. Perfectly accessible. You've got drawings for me, cartoons. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm a, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I, I love, I love learning. And, you know, for me, there's, there's a beautiful statement from Einstein that I quote in the book where he says that if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. Oh, yeah. And, and to me, that is at the heart of everything I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be an intellectual. I'm not trying to be a spiritual. I'm not trying to be a guru. I'm not trying to be, I'm, I'm just trying to make stuff that I've read and learned and lived really simple and accessible because that's what I needed when I was 18 years old. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just always have struggled with concepts that are hard to put into practice. So my goal with this book was, we all hear about purpose, we hear about manifestation, we hear about ego, we hear about passion, we hear about service. What does that mean? And, and how can any of us around the world actually live it? So thank you, Mel. I, I appreciate your feedback on that. And no, it means works, a lot. Works great. Okay, are you <laughs> going to do an audio for this as well? I have. It's already recorded. You oh, can, everyone can pre-order the Audible. Yeah, it's on Audible. You can get that too. I, I spent five hours a day for five days, I think it took to record the whole audio book. My throat was, I was, yeah, I was drinking yeah. my, uh, I was drinking my little tea to keep my voice, my licorice tea to keep my voice and throat okay. But uh, it was before lockdown, but I was in a studio. It was just me. I'm such a creature of silence. I, I really enjoy and appreciate silence and stillness. So actually being alone for me, reading it, was, was a really powerful process because I was almost reading it as if I hadn't been, been a part of it. And I was just trying to see how I felt. And so as an author, you're always like, oh yeah, I would change that. And I could have done that better. And you know, there's always that, but I, I know that there's perfections in the imperfection. You know, that's, that's really where the, where the love is. The love is in those moments where you are still trying to figure it out. And I think when people read that and they feel that they also realize that it's okay if you haven't planned your whole life out and got it all figured out, you're, you're figuring out along the way, just like an author is. It was, it was a big process, but it, it came out great. And I loved reading it. It was beautiful. But so you're still figuring. Oh, definitely. Yeah. A thousand percent. I, I, I think, I think you never stop. You never stop figuring. I'll give you a really interesting way of looking at it. So when, when I started out and probably when I met you, uh -huh. that was still where I'd started doing what I loved, but I was still, I mean, you know, we had that conversation and, and you know, you meet artists all the time. You meet, young people with ideas and talent. I was confused. I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't have a clear path. And what happens is that time you really know you're figuring it out. Now, when you get a bit of success, breakthrough, whatever you want to call it, when you get there, you have, you have two choices. You either get complacent and live with it, and then it runs out in two seconds because you know nothing lasts. Everything's ephemeral and transient and, and will eventually pass. Or you go deeper and realize, okay, I need to keep figuring things out if I want to keep sharing, if I want to keep growing. And, and I think for me, the greatest fun I get is in figuring things out and not even in figuring them out, but in the figuring. Like it's almost not even figuring it out. It's in the figuring that I, I get so much joy. And for me, I've got so much life, life experience ahead of me to live. I haven't had kids yet. Uh, I've, you know, only been, I've been with my wife for seven years now, but you know, marriage is a long journey. And so I've got so much more to learn there. And, and also I'm just really passionate to put into practice everything that I learned as a monk, because the way I describe it is my three years were at monk school and the last seven years have been like the exam. And everything in this book is everything I tested 
that I learned at Monk School. So if I learned something at Monk School in the last seven years, I put it into practice and it worked. And so this is the life that I have today is because it works. And so I'm like, okay, here's the book. Here's, here's teaching you everything I know up till now. But that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna, going to learn more and, and uncover more, but definitely it works. Like there are so many principles that I learned in theory, sitting at the feet of masters and it works. And that's the best feeling in the world that, that all of this stuff, whether you call it spirituality, whether you call it enlightenment, whether you call it personal development or self-help or self-growth, it works. So you've got the foundation, that's what you're saying is. The, the, the foundation is the thing you can come off and from. Correct. And, and I think the, if you think you've figured it out, there's a beautiful story of Benjamin Franklin. And it said that he used to carry around a little diary and a journal with him. And inside it, he had what he called the 13 precepts or the 13 virtues, which were things that he was aspiring for. So tranquility, simplicity, integrity, things like that, like things that he was really working towards. And he said that he, he failed a lot. He, he often ate too much or drank too much or spent too much money. And he didn't always live up to all the uh, standards that he set. But when he was dying, supposedly, the story goes that he was asked, which one did he not accomplish? And he said it was the 13th one. And they said, well, what's the 13th one? And he said, the 13th one was humility. And, and I love that because it's almost like if you think you've mastered humility or if you think you've mastered everything, we know you've mastered nothing. And so I think always feeling grounded in that way is a, is a beautiful lesson. And that's why I think spiritual teachings are so much more powerful than material teachings because material teachings tell you how to get up the mountain. Yep. Spiritual teachings teach you how to go into the valley, up the mountain, and then actually stay up there. And, and I think that that's the, uh, the difference in, in the material and spiritual education. Okay, now I get that. What I was going to ask you was, I mean, where we're at now in the world, anxiety is one thing I'm hearing from so many different directions. I mean, you, do you have any sort of ideas how people can sort of deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's, it's really sad that things have evolved so fast that the human mind and brain doesn't actually have the ability to cope no, with it. I think, yeah, yeah. So technology, the world, and, and I don't want to just say technology. When I say technology, I mean all the advancement in the world is moving so fast, which is beautiful and it has its benefits. But we have to realize that the human brain can't catch up. So I read a study a few years ago that said something like the human mind today is exposed to more tragedy in 24 hours than it was in our whole lifetime 25 years ago. So mm -hmm. can you imagine you're processing more tragedy and trauma and pain in 24 hours in one day than you would have in your whole lifetime just 25 years ago? And you think about that and you go, of course people are dealing with more anxiety. People can now tell, text you bad news every second of the day. You now know when something's happening in another part of the world when before you just know what's happening on the street next door. And yeah. so that expansion, now I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that it's, it's hard when something's moving so fast. It's like almost like, remember Gladiator? And you're running up that, what was it called? The, uh, <laughs> I didn't you watch Gladiator in, uh, in London? It was like in the UK. It was like one of the biggest TV shows. I can't remember who used to host it. But anyway, it's an old, old school TV show. I, I watched it with my parents growing up. But oh, the guys whacking each other and... Yeah, yeah. So there's a show called Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. It's called like The Elevator or something. And the whole yeah. point is you're running up a backwards escalator. And, and you think about that, like 
we're running on a treadmill or in an escalator that is just speeding through. Like imagine going at speed 10 on a treadmill and you're just trying to keep up with it. And I feel like our mind are on that treadmill just trying to keep up with stuff. So the only way that we can feel a freedom from anxiety is through alignment. Alignment's what's needed. And when I say alignment, there's a beautiful uh, thought that's been shared for years, which says that we experience true harmony and peace when what we think, what we say, and what we do is aligned. Right. And if you think yeah. about it, most of us think one thing, say something else and do something completely different. Yeah. Or our mind is in the past, our body's in the present and our words are about the future. And so we're constantly in this confused state. And that's why I think that the need for stillness, the need for solitude, the need for just being with oneself is so needed today because otherwise you just either get distracted, you either try to numb the pain or yeah. you just get lost in the anxiety. And the, the only answers are stillness, solitude, space, and, and silence, because those can really slow us down, right? There's, there's so much more to life uh, than just trying to stay on that really accelerated treadmill. So meditation? I, I think meditation is a tool, but I also think, like, I find... I find, like, I'll, I'll give some really practical ways of doing it to, to what I just talked about. So mm -hmm. one of the things with anxiety, I, I talk about this in the book, it's called the 3S model, and it's about sights, scents, and sounds. And I talk about how as monks, a lot of our life was designed by sight, what we saw, sound, what we heard, and scent, what we could smell. And so to, to break it down for our normal lives, what's the first thing, let's talk about sights. What's the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning? For 99% of people, it's their phone. It's not even their partner. I think studies show that 80% of people, the first thing they see in the morning is their oh, phone, God. and the last thing they see at night is their phone, yeah. even compared to their partner who's sleeping next to them. And so when you think about that, let's think about what's actually happening when you look at your phone. Because by the way, my life exists on social media. I'm not against technology. So, so let's be real about what I mean. When you look at your phone, you're starting your day on everyone else's schedule. You're starting mm -hmm. your day on everyone else's priority list. Everyone's sending you what they value. You're now valuing what they value. And you're trying to rush into a hundred miles per hour day the moment you woke up. It's like getting into your car, putting your foot on the pedal and expecting the car to go to a hundred miles per hour in two seconds. There's only like, I don't know how many cars in the world can do that, maybe two. Mm -hmm. And so you can't do that to your mind. So the first thing I'd say is the first thing you see in the morning make it a mantra, make it a quote, make it a beautiful spiritual painting, make it a work of art that inspires you, that heals you, that stills you. That's the first thing. The second thing is to sound design your life. So I think what we don't realize, and you realize this, Mel, very much so, and your community does, the power of sound vibration. Of course you do. You love Kirtan, you love mantra. We were just talking about Chakrini. Uh, Janavi is a good mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Like, one of the things I realized is that we are exposing ourselves to a lot of destructive sound. Now, what I mean by that is you've got drilling, you've got construction work, you've got chatter, you've got gossip, you've got negative noise. Most of our ears are just filled with hearing that. Now, when we woke up as monks, we'd wake up to natural sounds or we'd hear natural water or there'd be chants and gongs. Those sounds are so healing and they calm your nervous system. They calm your mind. They're bringing so much positive frequency. So in your day, 
Why not create a different sound for every room in your home? Have one sound for your kitchen. Have one sound for your bedroom. Have one sound and just, just go and put it on when you're in that room. So when you're working, you're listening to a sound that's actually calming your nerves. The third thing is uh, scent. I think we underestimate the power of scent. If you walk into a restaurant and you smell your favorite dish, you're tasting it already, you're experiencing it already. Think about when you walk into a spa, why do spas work? Spas could be like a, the randomest room in the world, but because they've got some eucalyptus or lavender or sandalwood, yeah. you feed that in and all of a sudden your heart rate slows down, your muscles start to calm. So we can actually use sights, scents, and sounds to reduce our anxiety without trying to do it all in here. So I think sometimes we need to get out of our head and use our environments to actually calm our anxiety. I like it. But that's going to take a lot of doing for some people, huh? It is going to take get a lot of doing. earlier, I guess. Well, to be just, I mean, to be honest with all of that, I mean, all of that's doable whatever time you wake up, because all I'm asking everyone to do is make sure that you've got you just decide tonight, what picture do I want to wake up in front of or what quote? I like waking up to quotes and messages. So one of my favorite quotes to wake up to is, I'm exactly where I need to be. Because a lot of the time when you wake up, you're like, oh, I'm late. Oh, I, I forgot to do this or whatever it is. And I love reminding myself, no, I'm exactly where I need to be. There's something for me to learn here. Let me start here. Uh, and then choose a scent, put some diffusers or candles in your home or some, you know, some incense or whatever you love. And then with the sounds, just put a little, put a little uh, speaker in each room that you're in. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to suddenly have a Bose surround sound system in your home. It can just be one of those small little devices. So yeah. I don't think this will take a lifestyle change. I think it's just a bit of intentionality and mindfulness in our life. I'd like the intentionality, of course, um, because you can sit and philosophize about everything. Until you make that first move, nothing's going to happen. But that's the problem. We're trying to figure everything out up here. Everything we're trying to do is up here. And actually, we need to feel it in our heart, not just figure it out in our head. And if you try and figure out in your head, like, how do I limit anxiety? How do I reduce this? How do I... You could just spend your whole day doing that. Whereas if you just light a candle and breathe it in, you, you feel an immediate benefit where now your mind will be more clear to make good decisions. Yeah, cool. I get that. Well, the other, one of the big things for me at the moment is, is understanding, justifying, find, is, is the social media aspect of people's presentation of themselves. So self-projection, is that self-esteem? What is that? that what's going on there? Well, I think, I think everything's the same. I think social media just put a massive amplifier and magnifying glass on everything. So if you think about the school, uh, school playground, yeah. Everyone was like, you know, if a kid came in with the new sneakers, uh, I started saying sneakers now, new trainers, uh, and they're wearing like Nike trainers or Adidas trainers, all of a sudden that kid was the coolest kid in school. Yeah. Now they just couldn't post a picture of themselves on Instagram. Yeah. But, but that was the cool, that was the thing. I remember that. Like I wasn't that kid and I had my pair of high techs from BHS uh, that my mom used to get me and, you know, they were like 10 quid or whatever. But a lot of my friends had the latest Nikes or Adidas or whatever it was. And, and you're seeing that, but now what happens is that kid takes a picture of themselves, they put it on social media, now everyone likes it, now you feel like you don't have it even more. So everything's just been multiplied. So the way you have to, you have to set parameters and guidelines of how you use social media. So for me, we try and, we fail at this as well, by the way, we're not perfect at this, 
But me and my wife try and set a rule where we talk about no technology times and no technology zones in the home. So like at the kitchen table, I'm sorry, at the dining table when we're eating, no technology. At the, uh, in the bedroom when we're going off to sleep, no, no technology. And then no technology times. So I try and avoid using my phone before about 8.30, 9 a.m. in the morning and I get up at about 6 and, and I avoid trying to use my phone after 7 p.m. at night. Now, I'm granted, I make mistakes all the time. That is not, I'm not perfect at sticking to that. But still yeah. having parameters and boundaries sets those standards. And that's what we have to do. And the other thing I'd say is just follow what you're okay feeding your mind with. Don't, don't expose yourself to stuff that makes you feel bad about yourself or makes you feel jealous or makes you feel envious. Only look at stuff that naturally like you don't go to you don't go okay i i can't afford it but i'm gonna go and walk down park lane and mayfair just to tempt myself right no one ever did that before mm -hmm. you'd go to the corner store because you know what you can do so you'd never put yourself in that position if it was a real street the problem is this is now the new street yeah. so you can go to mayfair or park lane or rodeo drive in la all on your phone even if you live in london and all of a sudden, you're tempting yourself with things that you would never have exposed yourselves to. So the uh, example I always give is like a monk's not walking into a brothel, right? Like you're not, you don't, the monk doesn't walk into that and go, okay, I'm going to try and be celibate inside, uh, inside, a, inside a strip club, right? That, that's yeah. not the mentality. So we're putting ourselves into strip clubs and expecting to stay celibate and saying that we're going on social media and trying to stay non-envious. It doesn't make sense. So we've got to limit what we look at. It's not social media. It's what we're curating ourselves to look at on social media. Based on a reflection of ourselves or an identi identity of ourselves? Well, it's, it's because we haven't, that's a great question, Mel, because we haven't decided how we feel about ourselves, yeah. we base how we feel about ourselves and how we think people feel about us. So the quote that I start the book with, which, which is my favorite teaching from Charles Cooley in the 1900s, stay with me on this one. He says, he said, the problem today is I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. So just let that blow your mind for a moment. Yeah. Uh, and what he's saying is that we, our perception of ourselves is based on what we think others think of us. So what he's saying is if I think Mel thinks I'm smart, I feel smarter. But if I think Mel thinks I'm stupid, I feel worse. When the real thing that we should be aiming for is how do I feel about myself? What is my view of myself? And you only find that when you give yourself time to get to know yourself. But yeah. most of us don't know ourselves because we've never spent time with ourselves. We're always spending time with other people. And that's what that silence, that solitude, that stillness allows you to do is learn about yourself. Yeah, no, and the most important person to spend time with. And are you comfortable with that person when you spend that time? Yes. And the problem with that is, Mel, that we've always been told that being alone is bad. So if you think about it, when you were the kid in school that didn't have a lot of friends, you were considered the loner. Or if a lot of kids didn't come to your birthday party, you were unpopular. And if you're 30 or 40 and you're unmarried, you're considered like, like that's a weakness, like you're single. Are you still single? You're not married yet? You know, especially women get that. And so when, when you hear that, we've always been told that being alone is bad. And so everyone's running away from being alone. Yeah, I spent so many years doing that. We all yeah. have, I'm sure. Yeah, you do, right? Like, I remember, I think between 14 
to when I became a monk at 22, I'd been in, I don't think I'd ever taken a break from being in a relationship for longer than like three days. Yeah. Because you just back to back, right? You break up with this person. Now you're with another person. You break up with this person. Now you're with another person. And, and you just try and find yourself in other people. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're looking for, you're looking for love and the, the yeah. big love, the big love is you anyway, isn't it? So, that, exactly. yeah. so listen, within this book, we haven't got enough time, man, have we? <laughs> like, I'm just going through all the headings about gratitude, dedication. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait for people to get on board with this. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm really, you know, I finished writing the book last October. Mm -hmm. So so for me, because the book got pushed back because of COVID, for me, it's like I've been sitting on all of this for like a year. And and it really is the most exciting launch that I've ever done out of everything I've done. And it's the most exciting work that I've done because I feel books have this amazing ability to actually put the whole path in place. Like in a four minute video, you can't do that. I have my podcast and I love it and it's beautiful, but it's different when you are able to like really say, this is the path, here's, here's the steps, here's the strategies, you know, it's, it's different. Um, but that's what people need. Strategy, as you know yourself, is everything. Yeah, I, I really believe that the more strategic spiritual people can get, the more we'll experience not just joy, but also success in our lives. And there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot of wisdom in that, that you can't have sincerity without strategy and strategy without sincerity. You need both. And I think having a sincere heart and intent and learning the tools and the methods of actually putting it into your life, this stuff just takes off, you know, yeah. it's, but it's action. It's not just in your mind. Yeah, no, I, 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 it just, it's an amplifier. It becomes an amplifier. Obviously for me, like I said, I've been watching, watching your career and things happen for a reason at different times, you know, and first of all, there was Deepak, Deepak Chopra came on the scene. He came on the scene when people were making videos. And, you know, he did such a good job. Yeah. Taking it to the level. And now you've taken it to the next level, which I think, and I hope I'm right, is a younger audience. A younger audience that's just started to question and want answers. So it's important they get some good answers because there's some real yeah. bad answers out there for people if they're not getting the right instruction. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, no, there's... So hey, seven sounds like a fan club. I don't mean to make no, a fan club. No, no, you're very kind. No, I, I love it, man. You're, I can see the joy in your face. I, I love the love that I'm feeling through you, through the screen. It's, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I have, no, uh, I have no issue with experiencing love from, from a loving human being. I think, I think we've, we've created this weird culture where, and I'm the same as you, by the way, when if I'm speaking to someone and interviewing someone and I, I love their work, I, I'm the same. And, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think we've created a culture where we feel scared about showing how positive we feel about yeah. someone or something. It's, and, and that's actually blocking love in our hearts, you know? Yeah. Where, so no, I'm, I'm pleased. Okay. I, I'm feeling your radiant <laughs> love and I'm, I'm accepting all of it. But what I was saying was, you know, for, for a lot of us, it's uh, with, with what you were saying about, you know, what I've been doing. And, and, and Deepak, by the way, is, is a, as you know, you've, you've worked with, he's a beautiful man and, and really wonderful soul. And, and he's been so encouraging in my, my journey too. So I'm very, very grateful to him. But uh, it's, it's my audience. And again, I have no, I've not tried to engineer this, but you're right. A majority of the people that are currently sharing my work and listening to it are 18 to 35. And hey, there's a huge audience above 35 that I love that loves my work. And often this is what I find. A lot of the 18 to 35 start connecting with my work because their mum or their dad sent them my work. And so it's brilliant because I'll get a message from someone and saying, 
you know what, I'm 21 years old and my mum sent me your video and now I'm watching them and I'm listening to your podcast. It's, and you know, so it's a beautiful like family experience where everyone from mums and dads through to their kids uh, are connecting with this work. And that's what excites me the most is my content's always been family friendly and it's, it's open. I think you've got to be about, you've got to be about 16 to start feeling some of the stuff I talk about because I haven't started making kids content yet, but I'm sure hopefully one day when I have kids, I'll be able to do that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jay, at the end of these podcasts, um, we usually ask our, our guests to provide us with uh, a mantra or a meditation. So we've got something like takeaway for the people listening. And I believe you've got something up your sleeve from the new book. Let's do it. So how do you, how do you want to do that? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play, which I'm going to tell you what it is, and you can send it out to your audience. I'm taking this off YouTube because I like to use things that are free and accessible for people to use. This is a beautiful piece of music that I like meditating to and sharing. So I'm just sharing it here, and you can share it however so that people can also if they want to find it themselves. It's a free piece of content on YouTube. Okay, so what we're going to do is, I want everyone right now to close their eyes, including Mel, and I'm going to close mine too. We're going to practice something from the book, <clears throat> or at least a smaller version of it called the monk method. So this is the method that I think is a beautiful daily practice that each and every one of us can do. And it starts by just finding a quiet place to sit down uh, and just close your eyes. So just close your eyes. Just bring your awareness to calm, balance, ease, stillness, and peace. Whenever your mind wanders, just gently and softly bring it back to your natural breathing pattern. Breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feeling the air going in through your nostrils. And coming out through between your lips. Whenever your mind wanders, just gently and softly allowing yourself to bring your awareness back to your natural breathing pattern. Place your left palm on your stomach. And when you breathe in, feel your stomach come out. And when you breathe out, feel your stomach go in. When you breathe in, feel your stomach come out. And when you breathe out, feel your stomach go in. Just bring your awareness. the way you inhale and exhale. Feeling that calmness and stillness, being centered and grounded. Continue to breathe in that way. Breathe in and roll back your shoulders and up. Breathe out and bring them backwards and down. Breathe in and roll back your shoulders and up. Breathe out and roll them backwards and down. 
breathe in and roll back your shoulders and up. Just allowing yourself to feel aligned with your body and your breath. And now just breathing in for a count of four and breathing out for a count of more than four. Breathe in for a count in your own time at your own pace of one, two, three, four, and breathe out for more than four. Feel your stomach gradually slowing down as you exhale. Breathing in for a count of four and exhaling for more than four. Visualize for a moment what it looks like to be your most healthy, abundant, and best self, your truest and most authentic self. How does it feel? What does it feel like to experience yourself with the deepest expression of love and compassion. Allowing yourself to feel the joy, love in your own heart. As you breathe in and out, feeling yourself breathing in love and compassion breathing out any negativity and anxiety. Breathing in joy and upliftment. Breathing out any stress or pressure. Allowing yourself to just be with your body and your mind. When you're ready, place your right hand on your heart and repeat after me. First listen and then repeat. I am exactly where I need to be. And you can repeat it three times. When you repeat it, believe it in your body, mean it in your mind, and feel it in your heart. And when you're ready, in your own time, at your own pace, you can gently and softly open your eyes.
So that was just a, a very simple um, monk method, what we did. And the monk method is the intersection between breath work, visualization, and mantra or affirmation. So today we did an affirmation. You can, of course, repeat, replace that with a mantra that you like. Um, but just to make it fully accessible and easy for everyone to follow today. So breath work allows you to align with your body. Visualization allows you to open up your mind and envision what life can be like and work towards that. And then mantra is, of course, what connects our soul and connects it to the divine so we can be guided. So all three parts, I believe, are so powerful and useful. I, I do all three practices every day and, and they take different forms. One day I may visualize a past event and think about how I would have wanted to deal with that better or how I could have improved the way I am. One day I might visualize my book launch day and not how I want it to go, but how I'm going to give my best energy to everyone. And that's the mistake that a lot of us make with visualization, that we visualize the result, not the process. So visualization mm -hmm. should always be about the process. And then finally, mantra, of course, uh, so many amazing benefits, whether it's material benefits of just aligning the brain and the mind or boosting our immune system, but on the deepest level, connecting us with our highest self, feeling that alignment and being guided from our inner guide. Uh, so thank you, Mal, for letting me share that with everyone. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. What a way to end. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, uh, like I said, there's so much more to talk about, but I know you're a busy boy. You've got a load to do. Uh, so think like a monk. Uh, when's it out and, and where can people get it? That's right. So it's uh, 8th of September. The book's actually out. And if you order it from Waterstones, if you're in the UK, then there are a limited number of signed copies as well. So I've signed a, a couple of thousand copies for them. And so if you want a signed copy, then Waterstones is the place to buy it from. Otherwise, people can go to thinklikeamonkbook.com and then it's available everywhere else. So uh, that's just for the signed copy from Waterstones. Oh, wicked, man. Thank you. Listen, thank Great. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Big love, as always. And, you know, go get them. Thanks, Mel. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Much love. For more information about the Wellbeing Festival, visit mindbodyspirit.co.uk. Today's episode was sponsored by Larabar. I've been your host, Pavani Vias, and this episode was produced by Josh Roberts and our sound engineer, Aaron Milliken. Thanks for listening and we'll be back very soon.